0: Welcome to the Wilder Outdoors podcast, where you'll get the inspiration and information you need to have great outdoor adventures with your family. I'm Rob, your host. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. In today's episode, I chat with my friend Amy Winnell. If you are ever in a bind in the wilderness, Amy's the person you want with you. She can navigate. She's been through some wild situations, but she was guiding trips. No kidding. No kidding at 16 in the wilderness of rural Canada. I don't even know if you can call it rural. It was just wild Canada. So um, I thought it'd be great to have her on today to have a conversation about her experiences and how now she's helping her kids learn to experience the outdoors, you know, in some some really exciting and interesting ways. And also to talk about uh, some of the work she's doing now helping to uh, guide women in the wilderness. And so, Uh, We have a really great conversation. She shares some wild stories about being a child and and growing up with just a really thoughtful and and wilderness-loving father and uh, how that is translating into her work as a parent today. So it's a great conversation. You won't want to miss it. Definitely one of my favorite conversations so far, just to be candid. So now before we start, just a few quick things. If you could do me a favor and subscribe to this podcast, it would help me out a ton. And if you like it, leave it a good review. It helps it rise in the podcast rankings, which is um, definitely a benefit to me and helping to get the word of this podcast out. So uh, yeah, if you could do that, very much appreciate it. With that, let's get on to our conversation. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining me today. I have with me my friend, Amy Winnell. And Amy is. A really fantastic uh, person when it comes to the outdoors, but especially she's a a wonderful mother, a homeschooling mother, and has done some really amazing things with her family. And so I wanted to have her on to chat today, especially as she uh, thinks to the future of what she might be doing in the outdoors. So Amy, thanks for joining me today.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Hey, so for folks who don't know you, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Well, I uh, live in Minnesota uh, in the Twin Cities at the moment, but I grew up mostly in Thunder Bay, uh, Ontario, Canada, and was really blessed with um an upbringing just filled with I would say outdoor adventure. yeah, it was just it's really been sort of a lifelong blessing to to have had that. I'm married to my husband John, and we have three kids who are thirteen, eleven, and nine. Boy, girl, girl, and um, we homeschool. We've homeschooled uh, all the way, all the way through from the beginning, and uh, we live in we live in the suburbs of the Twin Cities.
0: All right, now I I have to ask for myself, but where is Thunder Bay?
1: So Thunder Bay, uh, if you can picture Lake Superior, the Dog Head or Wolf Head of Lake Superior, it's right on the bridge of the nose, which is actually right over the border of, um, right across the border from Minnesota. So if you drive north from uh, the Twin Cities, it's it's just about an hour north of hour and a half north of Grand Marais.
0: Wow! So you probably had some pretty cold winters.
1: Yes. Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely colder weather up there. Saw 40 below without the wind chill multiple times. Usually in the January, February, it was like 20 below that Celsius. What is that? It's like, is that 10 below Fahrenheit? Um, most days sort of straight through. Yeah. So definitely, definitely cold. It's sort of a joke. It sounds like a cliche, but um, it is a dry cold, <laughs> so, um, so it doesn't sort of chill you to the bones as much. You have to make sure all your skin is covered or you'll be very uncomfortable sometimes. But if you just put on more layers, usually you're, you're good. And actually, even though it's very cold, um, I heard someone say once that Thunder Bay is the sunniest city in Canada. So it's very like a winter day is typically very crisp, cold, clear skies, Um, and the sun is very nice.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. And I know that, you know, for me as a transplant, uh, to, to Minnesota, right. It it can be really hard to get outside, you know, for yourself or especially for your kids when it's cold, but it sounds like you, uh, you know, you, you lived with that. So what did you guys do for fun in the outdoors?
1: Well, I think cold was just so normal that we just didn't think about it. But I, I haven't really successfully transferred that to my own family. I'm often saying to my husband, wow, we were just outside, and, but it was freezing, and we just didn't know any different. Like, what did we do? Uh, you know, recess, you, it had to be really cold for recess to be inside, like really cold. Um <laughs> Because most – that was – there was probably less than a handful of, of recesses where we actually got to stay inside in any given winter. And it like I said, it was getting um, down to, 10, you know, minus 10 Fahrenheit sort of typical. Um, I, I think we just knew how to dress for it and be prepared. And, and then we just sort of toughed it out. I mean <laughs> – I, I would say there's a lot of really tough people in Thunder Bay. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So people just sort of toughed it out and were just out there. And it was, you know, it's like, well, we can either stay inside all winter or just carry on with life. Yeah. Our friend who's a pastor at a church here who, um is from thunder bay he was joking about how when there's any snow people stay home from church but in thunder bay if we did that we'd never go anywhere so (laughs) (laughs) so we just sort of carry on it's just sort of what you know and Mm -hmm. and and yeah people are pretty tough
0: (laughs) yeah i mean you notice that it just even with minnesota too like you have to uh you have to be tough to live here. Uh you know we we moved from Phoenix and you know it's sunny and warm. It's either warm or hot, right? Those are your two your two temperature mm-hmm. settings down there and uh, there is definitely a different level of grit here. I can I can totally feel that. <laughs> um and I don't know. I th- I think about like I mean, not just outdoor stuff, but wilderness stuff, right? It's, it's a different kind of experience up here. And, and I think you did a lot with your dad as a kid, right? In terms of going out into the wilderness. What, what was that like?
1: Yes. Well, we, we, uh, when I was 11, we got some horses. We lived on a five acre little hobby farm and so we got a couple horses, and so we did a lot of trail riding, like sort of on a day-to-day basis. Um, so we did that pretty often. And then when I was thirteen, I went on my first canoe trip, and we did, you know, at least one, often more, canoe trip, uh, canoe trips every summer. Um, and then when I got when I got older, I did other things with friends as well. Mhm.
0: So when when you did canoe trips, where would you go?
1: We would drive like about 3 to 5 hours northwest. Often um and we would go I don't know if these places are going to be filling they're yeah. So we right, we would drive about 3 to 5 hours northwest for the places that we went the most often. Um and we <laughs> We, I think my dad sort of always like we never went into Quetico. <laughs> I think we always felt like, why would we pay to go somewhere and have to get a license when we can just go and chat with some of the old retired scout troop leaders and find out where to go? <laughs> and they would get out a map and draw a little pencil mark. Okay, you want to pull in here, and the good fishing's here, and this is a nice campsite, and. That's where you want to go. So it was sort of like word of mouth. Oh, yeah, I went here and that was really fun. And I remember when and then you'd bring your map and they'd tell you what to do. <laughs> um, and you had to do that because a lot of actually I tried. I was very naive and I was going to scout out a route. And I just got the map and just assumed that if I looked on the map, it would be like that in real life. And because there's a port portages or portages map marked on a lot of the maps and so I took my friend to scout out a a route that I was going to do with a group of kids later mm-hmm. and the port the portages like were non-existent we like well let's see if we can at least find that other lake you know <laughs> like I don't see a trail anywhere um yeah so after that I learned that you really got to listen to the old scout troop leaders <laughs> Oh, <laughs> and get the the paths that are actually, because it's, you know, the, the wilderness is so vast that it's not like there's a group maintaining and clearing the port- portages. So you really got to sort of find out what works and where you can go and, and stuff. And yeah, I sort of learned that the hard way. We still had a really fun time, but I was like, wow, these are like not even here. They're on the map, but they're not even existed. So we just sort of set our compass and try to walk through the bush which is very hard. It's not like woods. It really, they call it the bush. And it really is that way. It's like, it can just be so thick and dense that it's very hard to cross. So (laughs) anyways, so that's what we would do. My dad would, oh, I talked to this person and he said, we should check out this place. Or he said he loved to canoe here. So then he would sort of get the maps and know where to go. Um, yeah. Wow. <laughs> but I think he, he felt like I'm not going to get a permit. Like, <laughs> why would I get a permit when I can just find all this other stuff, all these other places for free and nobody's going to tell me what to do? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so do you I mean, you've you've been to the Boundary Waters now as an adult. Do you feel like where you would go in Canada was just as beautiful and remote as where you know most people would go into the Boundary Waters Quetico?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely more remote, definitely more remote and definitely just as beautiful.
0: Wow. And so like, did the thought ever cross your mind being so remote? Like, what if something goes wrong?
1: (laughs) Um, Not until I was an adult and taking my own children. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I think, you know, I just really had faith and confidence in my dad. I mean, this is this is before um, GPS or, uh, satellite phones. Um, no, I, I just, it was just sort of what we did. And my dad, he grew up, he's actually from Minnesota. So he grew up in Minnesota and he worked, um, he took kids out through the YMCA camps for like nine summers. So he just did a ton of it. And I think I had this totally romanticized idea of it in my head from all the stories that he told. And, and I just had like complete confidence in my dad's ability to take care of me. So I, I did not fret at all, but it's interesting that you say that because, um, when I was 16, we had a girl from France come and live with us and we took her on a canoe trip. Cause that's sort of, you know, an experience for her to have. And she shared with me later that she was like, quite i didn't think anything of it but she just said man i remember thinking if i lose these people like i don't know what i would do like is so the wilderness is so vast you are really you you some you do see some people but you really see very few people i mean she just said but well, that was really intimidating cuz like it's, we don't have anything like this in Europe. There's not a lake without oodles of people on it, you know? And um, she just said, yeah, in Canada, like everyone can have their own lake. And if I lost you guys, I don't know what I would do. Um, and and actually when I, when I started um, just in recent years, starting to take some women out into the boundary waters, I remember thinking to myself, you know, When I was 16, I sort of led my first canoe trip. And my dad, he dropped me off at the side of a lake and said, be back here in three days. And then left. Like, that was it. (laughs) And we had no way to communicate with anyone. And I didn't think anything of it at the time. But now looking back, I'm like, I can't believe I did that when I was 16. Wow. (laughs) So that was just, I mean, but... I was a real gift to not to sort of be naive and not worry. And my dad is actually he's a very capable man in the wilderness. You know, he is he is actually like man, I, a canoe trip with him was like it is he like had it down to an art form. You know, we would catch we always had a meal of fish and we always brought extra food in case we didn't catch fish, but we always caught fish and he would um he would smoke, he would like open up the fish and smoke it over the fire like he learned from the natives in northern Saskatchewan. And we would bake bread out on the canoe trail. And like when he flipped and these were like 80 pound aluminum canoes, he'd just flip it up onto his shoulders like nothing and walk into the lake like nothing and never miss a step. And like every, it was just like it He was like an artist on the canoe trail, you know, like totally Mm. confident, calm. Um, yeah. So he's sort of, yeah. I didn't have any fear at all. Wow. (laughs) So okay. So there
0: are so many questions that come from that. Like most people can't say, you know, like I learned from the natives. Um, (laughs) What? Just tell me about that.
1: Well, he, he, so he grew up in Minnesota, but he, he got his first job as a minister in northern Saskatchewan, which is where he met my mom. Yeah, so so it was like, it was La Ronge, Saskatchewan. It was pretty far north. And so, yeah, there's just a lot of natives up there and he'd learn, he'd learn from them. And he sort of is a, yeah, he's sort of a curious, adventurous type, so uh easy going, easy to talk to. So he'd pick up things from people that he met along along the way. He called it ponast. That was what the way to cook the fish was. And it's delicious. And you sort of split the fish open, take out cut off the head, take out the the like backbone, and then just smoke it over the flame like over a fire. Yeah, in in the smoke. And then you just eat the fish right out of the skin. So you really waste a lot less than if you were to mm. make fillets. fillets 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 yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah so you it uh, sounds like you would butterfly them i think is what what i would
1: think yeah of. i guess you know i never learned how to prepare i never wanted to prepare the fish myself so i am <laughs> quite uh ignorant when it comes to doing it. i just ate it pretty much <laughs> He did all the work. I didn't, I was not interested in learning how, so I don't know much about preparing fish. Yeah.
0: Wow. And, <laughs> and you guys would bake bread on the trail. Like, I, I mean, I think of the one, um, long boundary waters trip I've done and we, you know, we had like five, five gallon buckets full of food from Costco. Um, like what, you know, what did your food setup look like?
1: uh well yeah we would bake bread so he would bring flour Mm -hmm. um i mean our food packs were heavy um and he'd he'd bring a little dutch oven and then these he had these little bread pans and we'd find rocks and prop them up in the dutch oven and we'd make the fire all around the dutch oven and that would bake the bread so we always had one meal where we did that it was usually pancakes he always he always brought a steak for the first meal out on the canoe trail. He'd always bring a steak and we'd cook that for our first night. We ate quite well, obviously you know so there's pancakes and oatmeal like dried oatmeal, and then also when he was young, he did this ten week hike along the continental divide. And he ate lentils, peas, and barley, I think, for the whole hike. So he would always bring lentils, peas, and barley, sort of as a nostalgic thing from this long hike he did. So one of our meals was always lentils, peas, and barley. And we'd throw in like a Campbell's chicken noodle soup packet for seasoning. And it just takes forever to cook. So, you know, but that was always one, one meal. We'd always do that. So, so definitely different now. I mean, our food packs are heavy. Yeah.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, But, but it was, yeah, sort of part of the experience. That's (laughs) amazing. Or sometimes we would do the thing where we, where you'd, uh, I remember one time we were with another family and, you know, they got some bigger sticks and like peeled the bark off. And so you could make the dough and then wrap it around the stick and then roast it over the fire. Yeah. Wow. And then fill it with something. Yeah. So we always ate very well.
0: <laughs> okay. So, all right. So you had like a lot of really good training from your dad like that. And I'm, maybe don't think of it as training, but he, he passed on a lot to you, you know, in, in that space. And then so much so that you were guiding with no communication at 16. So I have to imagine that, you know, you, in a lot of ways, like you were, you were the safety net, you were the lifeline for the folks that, that were going with you. What are some things that you noticed that they didn't have going into those trips that you had that, you know, you would consider like sort of essential or would have at least made them have, or maybe a better way to say it is what didn't they know that would have kept them from doing it on their own and having a good time?
1: But I actually think probably the biggest thing is just the comfort level, like not even so much the knowledge, but just that like calm, I guess, is probably the biggest thing. I mean, I don't, I, I don't actually even consider myself a super knowledgeable or skilled outdoors person, but I really do bring sort of comfort and like willingness to go out and and do it and that's probably the biggest thing and I mean I would say too like in Thunder Bay I mean I guess I probably still did more than a lot of people but but a lot of people in Thunder Bay have a lot of wilderness knowledge you know so my so the friend that I went you know, she wasn't totally clueless. Um, Yeah. So she had a certain amount of knowledge too. Very good with a map and compass. So that's, that's actually a big thing. It's very easy to get turned around in the wilderness. So I, uh, I do well with following, following a map and compass. I don't, once you're out there, like all the islands and lakes can really look the same um And it can be hard to like from a distance distinguish where what something is off in the distance, whether it's an Island or a Bay or, um, yeah, but I actually think the biggest thing I brought to the table was probably a comfort level and a calm and an enthusiasm and, uh, yeah, I mean, part of me is like, wow, I can't believe I did that when I was young. Like really glad, but part of me is also like, I think I was also a little naive. Like if I really Yeah, I wouldn't send my own kids out <laughs> at 16. Now that now that I'm an adult and now that I sort of know more about I I was pretty oblivious to the risks, I guess I would say. So mm-hmm. Um, but definitely calm and sort of prepared with the right gear and knowing how to use it. And yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Now I I don't know. I think it's interesting. Cause I, I don't know. I hear you talk and you're like, Oh, you just, you gotta have the confidence. And I, and I think, Oh my gosh, well, I, I get scared because I'm, you know, I'm thinking of taking a trip there. Michelle and I are planning uh, a trip, you know, next summer. And we think, oh my gosh, all the things that we need to think about and learn. Um, And, and I think to maybe some of the students that I have now, like I I work with kids now and it, it, sometimes it's, you know, baffling to me, but some kids are afraid to, to light a match. Um, And a lot of it's just because they don't know what's going to happen. Right. Like they've never done it and they've been taught, Mm. don't play with matches.
1: Um, (laughs) Right. Right. Right.
0: And, and, you know, like in some settings. Yeah. Don't play with matches, but when you're in the outdoors, kind of playing with matches is, is the only way to learn. Um, (laughs) and, uh, and so I think like, man, if they just jump into it, they'll, they'll figure it out. Like it's, they might get burnt a little bit, but Mm -hmm. they'll, they'll be okay. Um, and you Mm -hmm. know, what I'm hearing from you is, yeah, just, just do that. Like go, go out and, and give it a try. Um, and I, I think about your, your kids now, because you did say, you know, I wouldn't send them out at 16, but you, you do go out with your kids into the wilderness. So what, you know, what did you do then to prepare your kids so that, um, so that they had a good experience going out aside from just, you know, maybe having the experience, like, did they, did they need any prep or any training or anything like that?
1: You know, we didn't do a lot of, prep or training. I'm trying to think. And different kids are different. And and I guess (laughs) just out of my conscience is saying, okay, I I think I, well, my dad really knew what he was doing. Like he really knew his stuff, but I do say, I would like to say, yes, it's true. Um, I know one book I read about preparing for a canoe trip said, you know, your most dangerous part of the canoe trip will be driving there, like statistically speaking, you know, just trying to encourage people like it's not, it's definitely out of our comfort zone, but you can do it and you can do it safely. But there is a balance to that, which is like, there is a certain amount of healthy fear that you really should have. And I think, as an adult sort of getting into tricky situations, sometimes you're really humbled to be like, Oh, wow, I should have like maybe had a deeper respect for the water or the storms or, you know, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Um, so there is a, there is a balance to that. And, uh, um, but back to your question. So I'm just throwing that out there. I don't want anyone to be like, yeah, I'll just go out there and wing it. And then, <laughs> and then not, and then get themselves in trouble. Um, yeah, but, uh, so going with somebody who has the experience obviously is a good first step, but, um, so how did I prepare my kids? We did not do, I did teach my son how to light a match like pretty early, um, before we went canoeing. You know, I almost feel like I sort of, made sure they wanted to do it and tried to be mindful of them in the planning and sort of their ability and really, really had in mind wanting it to be a positive experience. I think as a young person growing up in Thunder Bay, there is a certain amount of like, we're going to do this canoe trip and we're going to do 20 portages and we're going to travel this hard and we're not going to wear bug spray and our sunscreen and we're gonna i we never brought sleeping pads that was like we, actually that's really funny now that i think of it we're carrying out our dutch oven but like it was a matter of pride you know if you can't sleep on the ground or on your life jacket you might not belong out here now i'm like forget that i'm bringing a sleeping pad um <laughs> so um you know, but as a mom, it's like, okay, my goal is not to prove anything to anybody anymore. Actually, my goal is for my children to want to do this again. Um, so I think the preparation more came in, like, considering them with our our roots and the, our pace and and just speaking positively about it and making sure they wanted to do it. Like, I would always ask my kids, ask my kids if they wanted to do a canoe trip. <coughs> and then, um, sort of a learn as you go. And one thing that, that I like, we have a canoe, but I don't actually even take it out very often here. And part of that is, that it's just so different from what I grew up with that. I don't know. I, it's sort of hard to it's probably a mental block in my own head, but sometimes it's like, it's so different to go paddling on a lake where there's 50 other people. than to be the only one out on the lake, um, that I've had a hard time sort of doing that in the Minnesota suburbs. So it's just like, we're going to go on this canoe trip and you'll see what it's like when we get there. And I, I think probably, um, Having kids that I know will listen to my instructions and I probably, I have, I don't remember specifically doing this, but when I do an adventure with my kids, I have a pretty strong tendency to like really paint it in as negative a light as possible So they know what they're getting into and sort of like, and you might get tired and there'll be bugs. And if I say you need to do something, you need to do it immediately. There's no room for questioning out in the wilderness. You know, like, do you really want to do this? Yeah, I want to do it. Okay, then we'll do it. Like, and not, not like, not because I want them to I just want them to sort of, I want to prepare them for what they're getting into so that I know they're fully on board, you know, and then it can be like, well, remember we talked about this and you just got to listen to mommy right now and you're just going to have to do it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you know, so, so, so that, I mean, that's a big part knowing that they'll follow my instructions um, without giving me a lot of pushback is that's, Probably the biggest sort of preparation, I would say. And then it's just learning, learning as you go. And the wilderness is just sort of magical for providing those experiences. Actually, this is really funny, Rob. You would probably appreciate this. So I remember I took my first, my oldest child, my son, on his first canoe trip when he was nine. And I remember when he was eight, I was like, like, oh, my goodness, he needs to learn he needs to learn outdoor survival skills. You know, I need to teach him this stuff now. And, and, and I think that, that it is really important, but I was like really fretting and trying to get curriculum and already like just full to the brim with trying to homeschool three kids and having health issues. And, you know, like I did not have a lot of extra time to be like having a whole new thing in our homeschooling. And so I was, you know, like, oh man, I'm planning out how to teach him all these survival skills and what he really needs to know while we go on our canoe trip. And so I made this plan and I did this research, but then I hardly pulled it off. I really couldn't pull it off. And so we hardly did anything. I taught him, like I said, I taught him how to light a match and just have him be comfortable with lighting a match. Like that was, that was really as far as we got. Well, we're out on our canoe trip and this is the first time this has ever happened to me but we actually swamped our canoes and ended up stranded and um in the middle of nowhere no communication with anyone so we were with my dad and my friend and her son and so um Thankfully, there was like a little clearing where we could sort of set up our stuff. And so my friend and my dad, they paddled to like go get help to a resort. Um, And we thought they would be back in like half an hour, 45 minutes. Well, it took them two and a half hours because we were actually not where we thought we were. And so the paddle was much further. So I'm waiting. I have a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old. We're like really stuck on this tiny little patch of clear land. And, um, and my son, you know, I had a survival kit with me. And I had taken out the, the thermal blanket because we were, we were floating in the water for about 20 minutes before we got to shore once our canoes swamped and, uh, the other little boy that was with us, he's like pretty sensitive to the, to the cold and his lips were starting to turn blue. So, so I had him jump out and take off all his clothes and I wrapped him tried to dry him off and wrapped him in the, the thermal blanket right away, just first thing, cause he was starting to get cold. And, uh, my son so, in the survival kit, there's like a, you know, 50 survival tip tips, survival tips. So, he like read them all out to us and then he quizzed us on them and then read them all out again. And I'm thinking to myself, like, wow, I guess I didn't need to fret that I didn't go through all of the survival, <laughs> outdoor survival curriculum because he knows it now, you know, Like he memorized that, he like, he memorized that list of 50 things about how to survive in the wilderness by the end of that experience. Um, so anyway, so, so it is good to know that stuff, but also a lot of it, you just sort of learn, learn as you, as you go. Um, And I I think you sort of asked, like, what are some things that other people might not know? I would say, um, you know, I think often when we think of survival, we think, oh, we got to find food and water. But really, uh, the most important thing, this was number tip number one. Don't panic. Don't be afraid. Like, that's the worst thing you can do is to panic and be fearful when you're in the wilderness. And then you really got it. I guess this is barring any like major. like medical issue. Like, you know, obviously if you're like bleeding or, you know, you got to take care of that, but we, none of us were hurt. We were just stranded. Um, but then after that, it's, you know, it's shelter and staying warm is really, mm-hmm. you got to take, you got to take care of that like fast, make sure you have, you can get out of the elements because, you know, um, that's really most important, which is why I, you know, I had the other little boy, Strip down and get dry and go under the thermal blanket why I... <laughs> actually this was embarrassing. I mean the place where we were was was all moss, and it was probably like uh, it was probably close to like a foot thick, and it had we had it had just like downpoured. so everything it was like trying to light a fire on a sponge, oh. so David jokes about how you know I had to relight the fire five times. <laughs> So I, I, I didn't really pass that test. but <laughs> I mean, it was, it was hard <laughs> to get that fire going. I, yeah. There was like no ground to dig to. It was, it was literally like lighting a fire on top of a soaking wet sponge. So it went out a lot, but, but we did, we did get it lit and we did get dry and we did get shelter. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. But, and that that was that was like my 19th canoe trip that had never happened to me before. My dad was like, "This has never happened to me before. You just think there's always something new you can experience and learn, you know, and it's too ba- it's like, wow, sorry that it was on your first canoe trip. <laughs> <laughs> but my son, my son actually this is I think this is really interesting. Um, I feel like you really learn a lot about yourself and about your kids and about your strengths. Your weaknesses, too, but about your strengths. He was like, I was really, really impressed that he was not phased by that. Like, he was totally chill, totally calm. The biggest thing is that they got bored. They're like, when are they coming back? You know, I'm thinking I might have to set up the tent. We might be sleeping here. I have no idea where they are. They were supposed to be back after 45 minutes. You know, I'm thinking, does something happen to them? You know, I'm thinking, well, somebody, you know, my husband knows where I am. Somebody will come find us eventually. We have plenty of food, but I, but it was starting to get dark. Like, I was starting to think, well, I, I might have to, like, set up our tent. We might be sleeping here. I have no idea. And so the biggest thing was they were like, when are they coming? We're bored. When are they coming? Because we were on this, like it was probably like eight or 10 feet square, a little patch of land and everything else was this thick, thick brush. There was nowhere to go, nowhere to run. You know, we, we sang songs and we memorized the survival tip list. And, (laughs) but we were, that was like our biggest thing, but, but it was actually amazing for me to see that my son was just not phased by it. He just sort of took it in stride. And then, you know, so finally, My friend and my dad came back in this, oh, this was sort of fun for an eight-year-old, a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old. This huge, amazing boat came to pick us up. So, like, that was actually a cool way to end the (laughs) – it was this – big fancy boat. You know, we put our canoe on the boat. <laughs> it was it was it was big and it was fancy and so that was sort of a fun way to end our canoe trip. So they came they came and they got us and then they took us to this to the lodge where we had parked our vehicle and then they fed us hot dogs for supper and then we had like it was like 10 or 11 at night and then we had to drive we had a 3-hour drive to get you know, we called we called, uh, we called my husband and my mom and, and, uh, my friend's husband and told them that we, you know, we got delayed and that we were on our way home. And so we had this three hour drive and, you know, all the adults are just like buzzing from the adrenaline and, um, <laughs> and we get, we get into the truck and, like, we're just not saying a word. We're just like, totally quiet, just sort of like processing this experience. And my son says, Okay, guys, let's go around and say what our favorite part of the kidney trip was. We were like, we all just laughed because, you know, we were just like, sort of in shock. And he's just like, Okay, life is normal. Let's (laughs) Let's just talk about it. What was your favorite thing? um and it was actually really cool to see how just unfazed he was and how chill he was and um just sort of matter of fact and it was it was really actually neat to see to see that about him to see that quality in him that he was able to just sort of keep his cool and and not freak out and yeah, so
0: wow <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah
0: that's a story um yeah and and you got through it right i mean i think i think that yeah that's always the fear is that you know something will go wrong and and you won't get through it um you know now just to pivot a little bit i know that you have started you you have sort of re-picked up your guiding passion a little bit and have started leading uh groups again of of adults. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. So, um, my, my second child turned was about the same age. She was about to be nine. Um, I wanted to take my daughter. I wanted to take her on her first canoe trip and, uh, and it was, it was during COVID. So, you know, crossing the border. Anyway, so we decided to go into the boundary waters in Minnesota. And um, I, I asked some other mom friends with daughters if they would like to come with us. And so there was a group of three moms and five daughters that went. Uh, and my daughter was one of the youngest. I think there was another girl who was the same age as her. So they were they were about to turn nine. And then, like a ten, ten-year-old and two thirteen-year-olds, I think. Anyways, um, so I, so I organized. I asked these mom friends if they wanted to come with us, and I organized this canoe trip. And, and, and as I told other women about it, I was actually really surprised by how many women said, oh, "If you ever do that again, will you invite me?" Um, or can you tell me if you ever think you would do something like this again? I would really, I would really love to go canoeing, but you know, I would never, I would never do it on my own. I would never be the one in charge. I would never make the plans. Um, but boy, or some, I had one friend say, oh, it'd be so fun to go. It would be a different experience to go with a group of women than going with my husband or my dad. And I feel like I might be able to do more, like. Usually my husband just does a lot of it because he knows how and he's fast and he's good. But I'd it'd be really neat to go and have to do more of that on my own and to go with a group of women. Um, so I was actually really surprised how many women sort of said, oh, would, will you let me know if you do this again? And, and I happened to just sort of offhand mention that to the outfitter um, that we were renting we were renting some canoes from. And, uh, he said to me, well, you know, I get a lot of women who call here and would like to come, but don't have anyone to go with. So if you ever want to partner with us, we'll connect you with these women. And, um, you know, we can, you know, that might be a good partnership. So, so yeah. So I was like, Oh wow. And I, I really wasn't, wasn't thinking of doing that. I, uh, I actually feel like I had a lot of adventure as a young person. Like I, I, I feel like I would be content to not, I, I feel like I've really have had a lot of really good, sweet adventures. I don't, you know, I'd be content to be a little more quiet now. <laughs> um, but, but when I saw all this interest, I thought, wow, that's, that's actually a really cool opportunity. And I do love, The guiding aspect there is something very special about sort of taking somebody out into the wilderness where they wouldn't go on their own and sort of facilitating a unique and special experience um so so then the the year after that i thought well i'll i'll see I'll just contact the people that sort of expressed interest and I'll, I'll do one more trip. I'll try it out another year. And, and so I filled another, another trip the second year. Um, yeah. So I just sort of taking, yeah. So I, I ended up taking, there was a group of eight of us the second year that went out. Um, yeah. So I just taken baby steps um, to, just sort of one step at a time with that. And, but I, I do feel like I very often come home and say, Oh, I got someone else. Someone else said they were interested in going, going to the boundary waters. So, you know, I have a growing sort of email list (laughs) um, for when things get, so for when things get started. So it's just an opportunity that has presented itself really. And I didn't know that there was such a, there's just sort of a desire out there um yeah for for that experience
0: yeah well amy you're sharing that story now with folks um so if if someone wanted to get on your email list is, is that something you'd be open to
1: yeah i uh i don't have my website set up yet but i guess um pass somebody's contact information on to me, I'd be happy to put them on the list for when it gets going. <laughs> I haven't had to do any like marketing yet. So, you know, I haven't really been moving very fast in that department, but it is sort of on the the list of things to do eventually. Um, so yeah, if I don't know if you have a way to do that, if even in the comments or something, but um, I'd be happy to add them to the list when it <laughs> when i start sending out communications um and actually you know january is the time for the boundary waters um it's the time when you got to get your permits so i'm this is sort of decision making time for me so i'm starting to make plans for for this summer and i i am at this point at least planning to to take out another group so mm-hmm. yeah. all right yeah so if so if somebody has if somebody's interested and they get are able to pass their contact information on to you, uh, I'd be happy to reach out to them.
0: Awesome. So if you would like to be on Amy's list, you can email me at wilderoutdooracademy at gmail.com. That's wilderoutdooracademy at gmail.com. And I'll make sure that Amy gets your contact info. Um, And we'll be sure to have Amy back on um, after she leads some of these trips to share how they went. And also once she gets her website up so that uh, you can reach out to her directly, but Man, Amy, thank you for uh, for chatting today. It was such a great conversation.
1: Well, you're welcome. It was it was fun.